either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Are you ready for beetles and dogs and monkeys this week? No, it's not <laughs> Animal Planet. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and welcome to it. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com. More animals. What's going on? <laughs> uh, let's start out with the latest in the DC superhero universe. An alien scarab chooses college graduate Jaime Reyes to be at Symbiotic Host, bestowing the teenager with a suit of armor that's capable of extraordinary and unpredictable power, forever changing his destiny as he becomes the superhero known as... Blue Beetle. It's called the Scarab. It's some kind of world-destroying weapon. It's designed to protect its host. Sometimes it does what you want, and sometimes it doesn't. The Scarab chose you, but it belongs to me. The love you feel for your family makes you weak. The universe has sent you a gift, and you have to figure out what you're going to do with it. Whatever you can imagine, I can create. Let's party. Oh, yeah! Nice choice. I just want to this is one, did a little research, this is one that I guess goes back quite a ways in the actual comics, mm-hmm. but has gotten changed and adapted and sort of lost along the way. So I think for a lot of people, they non-really comic-heavy people haven't heard of this superhero before. I know I had not, but as you know, I'm not comic heavy. I hadn't either. Yeah. And I'm not comic heavy either, but I, you know, I took to the thing called the internets <laughs> and tried to find out. But what's interesting and really what's the selling point about this movie is not that it reinvents the wheel in any way for superheroes, but the context that it brings to the story. That, that is new. That is new. No, you're exactly right. Because the story itself is, is very similar to, you know, particularly to like Spider-Man and Shazam, um, you know, that uh, he didn't choose this. The, the superpower, it kind of fell upon him, and then he do, he doesn't know how to use it. it. You know, he's trying to figure out what's going on, and he's a kid. You know, he's 22. He just got back from college, but, he, you know, he's he's not uh, established. He's we, still living at home. We just saw the same thing in the latest Flash, because right. when, when, he, when he gets himself the double who mm-hmm. doesn't know how to use the powers, you see the same thing, training wheels kind of thing. Yep. How do I grasp this, get a handle on it, and then let's go save the world? But the but the other thing that's uh, that that makes this one a little bit more like the other two that I mentioned is that it's also a very self-contained universe. It's not, you know, there's no nods to any. It's just this one mm-hmm. little episode happening here. Mm-hmm. And um, but but the thing that makes it uh, stand out is that it's completely entrenched in uh, the perspective of of this kid and his family, this Mexican American family, and um, and you know, you you just haven't seen that before. You know, not only is is the the hero of the film a Mexican American, but you know he lives at home with his nana and his mom and dad and his uncle and his sister, and they have you know they watch certain things on TV. They have this whole backstory that yeah. they don't. Which one of the things I love about the backstory is they don't lay it out for us like we don't understand it. They just drop us in this lived-in world, and right. it makes all of the characters feel so much richer. And they are um, the characters are all very fun. His family members, in particular, mm-hmm. his sister, she's very wry and sarcastic. His uncle, played by George Lopez, is and kind of a some nut- hair. You, oh, yeah. you got to mention George Lopez hair. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's nutty. It's kind of a <laughs> mullet. It's kind of a yeah. mohawk. It's yeah. yeah, it's nuts. And 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 he's very funny. He's very fun. Yeah, he's a lot more fun. I I never found his stand up to be. F- 
really funny at all. But he's funny in this movie and, and a scene stealer. And Nana is played by Oscar winner Adriana Barraza. Who always, is a hoot? Always welcome. And oh, yeah. you, you really get the get the the um, impression that she just dug into the Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna tear this up. Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. And uh, and the the villain is played by Susan Sarandon, who's of course always great. And she's very good in this. She's just cold and you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, opportunistic. Yeah, because what what happens is this this scarab attaches to Jaime. We didn't even mention him. He's played by Zolo Meriduena. Did I pronounce that right? And a lot of people will recognize him from the Cobra Kai mm-hmm. series. So it attaches to him, and it really it chooses him. Yeah, and but then it's you're not getting it off. No, uh, <laughs> and it, it makes you kind of squirm a little bit. But it's full of this incredible technology that Susan Sarandon feels belongs to her. Right. She's been searching for it for 15 years, and she she has a prototype. So once she has the technology, then she can have build an army of, that are, that's just like it. So it's essentially, you know, it's armor. It's, it's right. a symbiote, but, you know, if you imagine a weapon, it can create the weapon. So that's yeah. what she's trying to do. But at the same time, she's a developer, and she's she's bought out the, the, the edge keys, they call it, which are, the, you know, where... Everybody who doesn't own property in the Keys lives. They mm-hmm. live there. The people who clean your houses and, and wait your tables and things like that, they all live in the Edge Keys. And she's bought those to to sell to other really wealthy people. So so um, Jaime and his family, they've been they're being evicted from their home where they've lived for generations. And you know, it's got all of that. Which again, it doesn't feel that different on on the surface level, but it actually really does. You know, when you look at the the context of of this family who has lived here for generations and and they they don't shy away from that. That right. the Mexican American experience is not the same experience as everybody else's that you exactly. see in a superhero movies. Exactly. Even down to little microaggressions like so many people not calling him Jaime, calling him Jamie. Jamie. Yeah. And uh it's very well well woven into the story. We should say the director is Angel Manuel Soto. And the writer, Gareth Danette Alcacer. And I hope I pronounced all that right. But, yeah, smartly done and and very, you know, wrapped in a new wrapped in a, a, a new sheen, I guess, a new coating of a totally different context that makes all this stuff feel new. Because mm-hmm. even, you know, you mentioned the Susan Sarandon part. It, it Usually this sort of technology in a superhero movie usually comes down to somebody wanting it for warfare. Mm-hmm. You know, none of this stuff is new. None of these story beats are new. But when given a different context, they feel they feel new. And, you know, the idea of gentrification and of, of sort of a global military complex, they really do give you a very different perspective mm-hmm. because of, of the context of the film. But the other thing is, you know, I mean, you know, Vincent Toretto would love this movie. It's all about family, <laughs> but it's done in a way that feels very genuine and charming. Uh, right. So charming. This right. family is so funny. And they're, you know, it's not like the, you know, La Familia family. I mean, they poke fun at each other. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're they're yeah. all up in each other's business all the time. It's very <laughs> funny and authentic. Um, and fun, and the, you know, the colors pop, the blue of yeah. the beetle, very fluorescent. Yeah. You know, w- with the action. It's not one of those stunning visuals, like, you know, like Black Panther, Black, of course, yeah. what is, right? Yeah. What is, as beautiful as that? Nothing. But, I mean, it's it's not so much that the visuals are going to wow you like they do, or even the effects. They're fine. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to be... But they won't. They're not end, of, not like end the, of the Flash movie. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, they're very, it's very competently made. I think it's just the film's charm mm-hmm. that is really the selling point. Well, you remember when the first Shazam movie came out, you know, DC... Yes. Yeah, DC has always sort of stumbled... You know, trying to catch up with Marvel, and and then I remember when the first Shazam movie came out, we're like, 
All right. Right. There's a nice nice breath of fresh air for D.C., and this feels very similar. Yeah, and it's interesting because the director has only made one feature yeah. before this. He's made a handful of shorts, and it seems an unusual choice to to hand over such a big film to somebody mm-hmm. who do, who's relatively unknown, but... You know, the the director and 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 the the writer really gel here and create such a an atmosphere that's conducive to a different take, a fun, right, irreverent, funny take. And one of the things I do like about the movie is is um, Blue Beetle Jaime. He refuses to let this symbiote right kill. He's like, we don't kill, we don't kill. But um, not everybody in the family feels the same way, which was <laughs> by the time we got to everybody else helping out, I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and don't expect a, a parade of cameos like, again, at the end of The Flash. Don't expect that. But there's a reason to stay through the credits. Yes. Let's just put it that yeah. way. But, uh, yeah, recommendation for the latest for D.C., uh, getting back getting back in the win column for D.C., and that is in theaters pretty much everywhere this weekend called Blue Beetle. All right, we've had the Beatles. How about the dogs? An abandoned dog teams up with other strays to get revenge on his former owner. It is strays. Hi there, uh, big dogs. I'm trying to get home. I know which way that is. Oh, great. Right up my ass, you little Oh, no, that can't be right. This is Will Ferrell. I'm lost. You're a stray man. You can do anything you want. This beer doesn't taste good, but I like how it's making me feel. This is Jamie Foxx. I recently this couch. Best sex of my life. Wow. And she's dirty, too. Oh, well, I, I can tell. Looks like she hasn't been washed in years. I'll see you later, baby. It was nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really should find my way back home. Any places, landmarks you remember? I remember the devil in the sky. Look at that guy. in hell, mother son of a dumb smile. Those pants. Rip your oh. off and make Stupid you what? Hat. Well, this one started to smell a little, uh, a little mildewy when it started to be pushed and pushed again. And this has been out there for a while with different release dates. And then a little later on, a little later on. So it's not a surprise that this one comes up lame. That is not mildew you smell, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's plenty of that in this movie, too. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, you know, I was worried about this from the start because mm-hmm. the trailer didn't have very many funny bits. I know. And, and, the, and so many of the bits that weren't funny just relied on the idea that we'd all find it hilarious that dogs curse right um and that is funny for about 35 seconds you know (laughs) it sort of made me think back do you remember the um the puppet movie with melissa mccarthy and and the puppets yeah happy time murders yeah i thought that trailer was flat out hysterical oh yeah yeah. and of course the movie didn't didn't pan out but i thought the idea was inspired and the trailer was very very funny this the trailer's not even funny. No, it's really and not. And so it didn't really get me excited. You've got Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's good. But, uh, yeah, just the idea that you get to hear dogs, you know, have really R-rated mouths yeah. and, and talk about, you know, scatological areas and, and sex, uh, humping couches and, you know, uh, it's just that gear gets old fast. It really does. And, you know, and it's it's your least favorite kind of film. It's the lazy road trip. Yeah. Road picture. You know, so uh, Reggie, who is the Will Ferrell character, you know, his his owner, Doug, drives him miles and miles and miles from him, dumps him off in this scary Will neighborhood. Will Forte. Will mm-hmm. Forte. Because he doesn't want to have him anymore. But Reggie's just still thinks it's a game. And right. so he's going to find his best friend, Doug, because he loves Doug. And then eventually the other strays make him realize that Doug is a terrible person. 
and a terrible owner, and then they all decide that they're going to help him, sort of a homeward-bound journey, get back home so that he can bite Doug's dick off. Now, that's funny. It is funny. I laughed at that. Yeah. It's a funny uh. <laughs> idea. Um, it just It's just that, you know, then, like, you know, it's just them trying to get home and what what's the next crazy hijinks we can run into? Now, a couple of the bits are, are pretty inspired. My favorite one, because Josh Gad is the voice of those dogs and all those dog journey uh. movies, you know, where he's just narrating for right. his... It's funny, the bit with him being the narrator dog. That's I was kind of surprised that they did that because you're right. He he is in those movies and he, he's just so earnestly happy when he voices those dogs and those and those movies are awful. Yeah. So that, I did get a, a wink, wink, yeah. uh, you know, laugh out of that. But not much else, to be honest with you. There's a funny bit about, uh, you know, the devil in the sky. Which well, no, is, that's in the trailer. Yeah, it is. Well, not the whole thing, though. I mean, it is that, you know, but it's just I'm 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 really I'm really trying to find parts <laughs> that are funny. It's just not yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, you know, unless you really, really love dog poop jokes. <laughs> That's a niche market <laughs> a niche that market. someone is going to corner, <laughs> and maybe maybe this is the movie to do it. <laughs> but, you know, like we always say with comedy, it can be so personal, and yeah. maybe you'll find this hysterical. Yep. But uh, for us, it got really old really quickly. Um, although, you know, if you can get behind the journey of a dog going to bite somebody's dick off, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's homeward bound in a different direction. But certainly R-rated, so don't show this to the kitties no. just because there are dogs in it. No. Uh, not at all. And that is uh, writer Dan Peralt, uh, director Josh Greenbaum. And Josh Greenbaum did... Bar and Star. Bar and Del Mar. Star, Del Mar. Well, here's the thing, though, right? He didn't. He didn't write, he didn't write it. it. I mean, yeah. Kristen Wiig wrote it, and and uh, and Momolo and uh, Annie Momolo. Annie yeah. Momolo, and they're funny. Yeah, I'm they not are saying funny. that I'm not trying to. It's just a different piece of material. I yeah. mean, it was nutty. It was any. Not all of it worked. But some of it really worked. Oh yeah, what worked so, really, really worked. It was so off the wall. Uh, so yeah, look look up for that. Bar and Star go to Vista Del Mar. But uh, Strays is in theaters this weekend. And our tour of the wildlife moves on to The Monkees. This is on Netflix. Inspired by an epic Chinese tale translated into an action-packed comedy, a monkey and his magical fighting stick battle demons, dragons, gods, and the greatest adversary of all, Monkey's Ego. It's the Monkey King. That monkey! He's the mightiest, fiercest rebel. With the best style. What a guy! Oh. Any other comments? I mean... <laughs> I can beat that thing! Maybe defeating everyone isn't the answer. Maybe it's helping other people. Come on, Stick! The world needs us! Monkey King, race supreme! You are crazy! And handsome! If you're gonna be critical, be fair! Monkey King! Monkey King! Man, that's really catchy. Yeah, this is a story that, uh, again, a little research, because I was not that familiar. This The story at the heart of this goes back centuries right. in Chinese literature. And there have been many, many movies made of one you know angle on it or another, both animated and uh, live action. And now this is the latest animated tale. It is on Netflix. And the Monkey King, who's voiced by Jimmy O. Yang, is born from a magical rock. And right away, he's sort of a, a, a chaos agent. I mean, the, the universe thrives on calm and order. And that's all laid down by the immortals in heaven. They like you to follow the rules, balance, peace. 
Monkey King is not about that. He's just all over the place and wreaking havoc on everything. So he, he gets exiled without going into all of the particulars. It gets sort of convoluted. He gets exiled. And then when he's able to steal this magical column that he calls Stick that uh, is sort of used as a weapon, gives him powers to fight demons, and he figures he will get back in the good graces of everyone if he can vanquish 100 demons, and then he'll earn his rightful place among the immortals in heaven. So that is basically his quest, and the the Dragon King, Undersea Dragon King, that he steals the stick from, that's voiced by Bowen Yang from Saturday Night Live. Which, you know, it doesn't really matter what he says. It sounds funny. It is. He's funny. <laughs> I know. I know. And this is another good voice cast. Um, Stephanie Sue oh, is part of the voice yeah. cast. Yeah. And it's Oscar again. Nominee. Yeah. And also B.D. Wong as the all-powerful Buddha. He voices Buddha, and he's actually the one that tells the emperor that wants to do away with Monkey King to back off because he says, the Monkey King, you know, don't be too hard on him. He has a destiny awaiting him, and Buddha, of course, everybody listens to Buddha. <laughs> so, and that's B.D. Wong. So, yeah, a nice voice cast all around. The, the culture that it's steeped in is so great and paid homage to by a lot of the styles of the animation. They, they sort of drift back and forth in different styles. So the animation is one of the big pluses yeah. of this movie. Gorgeous. So it's, you know, it's on Netflix, so you're not always going to get a big screen. If you do happen to have one, good for you. And some of the jokes do land. It's awful, it's, it's, it's awful frantic. I mean, that, that does sort of fit the, the Monkey King's way. He's just all over the place, but the pace is very, very rushed. It just moves on. Even when one joke or another does land or one animated fight scene does land, man, it's just on to the next distraction, seems very quickly. Uh, as Monkey King hooks up with this, she she wants to be an apprentice, a friend um, named Lin, voiced by Jolie Huang Rappaport. I hope I pronounced that right. And it's just hard... It's hard to to root for the Monkey King and his feeling that he's he's not loved or he's not or he's you know he's exiled he's pushed away because he's he's not very likable. I mean right. he he looks down on this Lin. He doesn't you know he feels he's you know he's uh, above it all and his ego is always so great. So it's a little hard to get attached to his journey right away. Plus then these other things come in like the story of the Dragon King. He's got he's got his own quest going on that seems disjointed from the Monkey King. So it's it's really hard to get your handle on what the what the core fable is here and, and root for it. Um, and a lot of the the story beats do seem a little familiar and there's there are a couple of musical numbers which I'm usually down for, but one Given to Bo and Yang is the Dragon King, Undersea Dragon King, with a couple of little helpers, little underlings. Man, does it look like poor unfortunate souls from Little Mermaid. Right away, you're like, wow, this feels like maybe AI was given a task to rewrite that song because it's just so familiar. But it's not a total loss at all. I mean, like I said, the animation is good. There are some funny bits and there are some decent fight action sequences, but it just doesn't feel that memorable for maybe a story that with such a rich heritage maybe should feel a, a little more memorable but memorable but as we often say with Netflix maybe it's kind of a cop out but you've got Netflix already that's right uh, so do you have kids do you there have you kids go. because this one keep them away from the dogs okay <laughs> get them to the monkeys and they'll be fine and <laughs> it's it's perfectly acceptable for the kids this weekend if you got Netflix and hopefully a big screen you'll appreciate it even more and that is The Monkey King on Netflix now Okay, let's go to a horror thriller next. A morgue technician successfully reanimates the body of a little girl 
But to keep her breathing, she will need to harvest biological materials from pregnant women. When the girl's mother, a nurse, discovers her baby alive, they enter into a deal that forces them both down a dark path of no return. This is called birth rebirth. This experiment is bigger than your daughter. My daughter is not an experiment. She's regenerating. If I didn't show up, what would you have done to her? I am doing everything I can to keep her alive. The point of life, it isn't just one thing. What is the point? Now, this is a basically a Shudder-produced movie that is in theaters now. Yes. Will end up, presumably, on Shudder. Yes, it will. But uh, it's in theaters now, and you could tell from the synopsis, latest adaptation of the Frankenstein type yeah, of Yeah, it's a of Frankenstein theme. idea, yeah. yeah. But that's always, that's still fascinating to me, how filmmakers are going to make that their own. Yeah, you know, I mean, just a few months ago, the angry black girl and mm-hmm. her monster. Now, that's right. just a straight-up Frankenstein remake. Mm-hmm. This just revisits those ideas, of course. Um, but it, this is a parenting nightmare, and, and it's such a good, like, character study. These two, the two lead performances. Marin Ireland plays the morgue worker, the pathologist in the morgue. And, um, and we just saw her in, well, many things, but The Dark and the Wicked, you yes. may remember her from. Yep. And uh, and she's really good in this movie. As just she start as the movie opens, the two women who both work at a hospital, they're doing two separate things. And and she's Marin's character. Uh, she's alone in an antiseptic room with a corpse. She's being mm-hmm. very. And then at the same time, Judy Reyes, who you might remember from Scrubs, she's been in a lot of things. Um, she was just in Smile. Smile yeah. yeah, yeah. She's a nurse, and it. She's in the ER, and it's an emergency, and she. It's very. It's chaotic, but also very human, and she's in control, but she's at the same time nurturing. So you just get a real immediate sense of who these two characters are. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is, as the film progresses, how the very ghoulish um, Rose, is Marin Ireland's character, she becomes more slowly human. She warms up. What she has been doing, what she's willing to do, very. Very just logical, just logical. Even mm-hmm. if while uh, you see what she's doing, you think, oh, my God. And at the same time, um, Seely. Seely's character, who is very, very human, but you can see the cracks. And she, as the film progresses, she turns more into yeah. a ghoul. She's mm-hmm. more willing to do what you should not be doing. And so, you know, in that way. And there are also moments where it just looks like parenting, like two parents you know, and and what you go through and sort of the anxiety and maybe the jealousy and, you know, and the grief. It's just a really, really well-made film. Yeah, the director and co-writer Laura Moss and the writer, other co-writer is Brendan J. O'Brien. And Laura Moss, again, this is her first feature. So we've got another impressive first feature here. Very impressive, yeah. Very, you know, confident. And the pacing is great. She's, She's somebody who knows when to... Slow it down, mm-hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't affect the tension. In fact, it only amps it up. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mention uh, character study because you wouldn't think right off the top of your head, oh, it's a horror thriller, it's kind of a Frankenstein thing. But the fascinating interplay between the two women, yeah, and you understand the one because it's her daughter, yeah, um, and so that's obviously she's got a whole different connection to her daughter who's being basically re- reanimated. Yes. Um so how they how they form their their bond, their deal, I guess, and then sort of move toward each other's personality. Yeah, fascinating. And this one is, yeah, is in theaters, although it is a shutter 
movie. So uh, check it out now in theaters. Shutter down the line. Uh, and it is called Birth Rebirth. And one more, a drama fantasy. A cyclops strangles a man and chases a princess through a forest. In a theater workshop outside of Florence, students act out their dreams and childhood traumas as the teacher pushes them to confront their inner myth. It's called Caverna. Locketeer Daniel Baldwin reviewed this one for us at MadWolf.com. Maybe Liked that's why much. he's off this week. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> he did like it very much. This this is one of those that it mixes fantasy and reality because, as the synopsis says there, these people are in an, an acting wor- workshop, and some of the things that are played out on the screen are part of their their acting and their and their workshop, not necessarily reality. Right. What it's really saying is that you know what performers. What artists bring out of themselves it can be very profound and personal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the reasons that it, the film works as well as it does is that the cinematography is just gorgeous, yeah. just sumptuous, whether it's real life or whether it's these fantasies come to life. It's really a gorgeous film to yeah, watch. Yeah, and also with some practical effects and creature work <laughs> and things like that. So if you, you like that, and I know a lot of people do nowadays with the with the rise of, of CGI, it's always good to see some of that stuff, especially when the cinematography is so impressive and that is well be sure to check out daniel the schlocketeers review you can find that at madwolf.com but the film is on vod now called caverna all right so we mentioned that the schlocketeer is off out of the lobby this week Uh, we'll check in next week but we've got a big one that's been sort of been coming i know they've been having some preview screenings in some theaters around the country but it finally opens wide next week and that is gran turismo also the newest from helen mirren as golda and uh, the newest from Liam Neeson, Retribution. Is you know, they used to be a couple. I did know that. They, they showed up on that Graham Norton show, and they admitted it. And before that, I don't know how many people. They said, oh, she said, yeah, we used to live together for like four years. That's more than a fling. I mean, gee whiz. So Retribution is next week. Also, Storage Locker. Uh, Ashkal. And Brightwood. All right. So that is all next week. But what do you think about this week? Blue Beetle, Strays, Monkey King, all the animal life. What do you think? Uh, we always love to keep the conversation going. You can find us easily on Twitter. That is at Mad Wolf. Well, it's not Twitter anymore, is it? It's X. We don't call it X. We call it Twitter. Okay. We're never going to call it X. We're always going to call it Twitter. <laughs> you sound like those people that are mad about changing of sports teams' names. No, but this is just dumb. <laughs> the artist formerly known as Prince, we are uh, at Mad Wolf. Also, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Threads at Mad Wolf Columbus, and the main website where you can find all of our written reviews uh, and our other horror movie-only podcasts. New episode about to drop, by the way, about our favorite Swedish horror films. That's right. Very cool. You can find that all at madwolf.com. So uh, keep in touch if you can. Enjoy the movies. We'll talk again next week. And until then, be well. And she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but... I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>